Welcome to the Halftime Chat with me, Sivan Gacy, and the change room made just for you by BrightRock. In this episode, I'm joined by a living legend in Rugby 7, Siobelo Sinatla. As fast as he is on the pitch, he is in no hurry to leave a good conversation. In our chat, he tells me why he has unfinished business with the Olympics, his Springbok dream, and why he plays rugby. This is a scoop, believe me. It was an honor speaking to him about change in his life and how he navigates change on and off the field. Mr. Sibelo Sanatla, how are you doing, brother? Oh, good, Maji. How are you doing, bro? Me, I'm living the dream, bro. Listen, your surname alone has had a lot of white people pronouncing such a hard surname because when you're that good, <laughs> the white people are like, ah, I need to learn <laughs> how to, to learn say it. Sinatra. Or the same as Zumo saying, Nkandla, Nkandla. <laughs> no, I haven't had problems with that. More my name, mm-hmm. but it's cool. People call my surname, so it's all good. Okay, for me, your CV is incredible. You're a sevens flyer, all-time fourth most tries score in the World Series. That's 224. Jeez. You've done 203 matches, 1,120 points, Olympic bronze medalist, Rio 2016, Commonwealth gold, going for... Olympics next year? Olympics? Yeah. I was about to say the Olympics one hurts me because, yeah, obviously we're going for gold on that one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we had the team to actually do it. So I I don't want to see that. It is an accomplishment, but I want to see it as a, I don't know. Stepping stone. No, no, like almost like a failure because Mm -hmm. we had the team to do it. But I will call it then. Uh, accomplishment, if you might call it that, yeah. Before we like we get into the, the 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 deep questions, you had a big change in your life. You went from sevens to fifteen. How was that change, and how was that transition, and that transformation in styles? I feel like it's very it's much better than doing the country because obviously in sevens you have a lot of endurance and a lot of speed and a lot of skill is is tested there and everything is done at a scale where you're kind of like vulnerable per se all the time. So you develop your rugby skill and your rugby intelligence quite nicely there. And going to 15s, everything obviously is more compact, whatever. Um, but then you develop. But going to coming from 15s and going to 7s, you know, it's seven people on the field and you have to cover all that space. <laughs> Suddenly, like, rugby field is huge, eh? Mm. So um, coming, when you're coming from 7s, I think it's, it's been, like, an easier transition. Um, obviously, as I said before, like, the space is, is more limited and yeah. you have to kind of, like, use the skills that you learned in 7s to try and, like, maneuver the defense mm. and stuff like that. But it helps you so much in terms of like my contact skills and stuff like you know a rack tap yeah um people normally say what you what you what's your head doing in there yeah. the whole time i'm like i can't help it man mm. and savings have to tackle and steal yeah. at the same time so that the team can get the ball back so i don't mind doing that and mm. um, people see fault in that because obviously i'm not the biggest of guys mm. so um yeah savings has helped me quite a lot into my 15 game in the 50 minutes game and i think it's much more easier doing that than mm. going from 15 to 7. But for me, I can see that you, you, even your body's changed. You, you you feel a little, you look a bit bigger to me. And you like, make me lift weights. So you are bigger <laughs> for me. Yeah, not necessarily bigger per se. I'd say my structure is bigger, mm. but generally my weight has been fluctuating like within or like two or three kilograms, which is not a lot. What do you add about it? I'm 85. I've always been between 85 and 82, so it's not it's not really uh, too much to bear. I become a little bit too heavy when I go 86, though, because then I feel like I'm losing my explosiveness and speed, mm. and that's a problem. Uh, and I keep telling trainers that like it's so difficult to you know kind of like 
tell trainers is because people think, oh, 15s, you got to be big, you got to be bulky, mm. you got to be strong. Yes, but we don't have the same type of body types. Mm. My body type is I'm a very slim guy and I can get strong without lifting, without lifting weight or like mm. being bigger, you know what I mean? It's not about being big, it's about making my tackles and being strong in contact. Mm. And when I feel like I'm light, actually that's when I perform the best because then I'm explosive, then I can mm. get into space quicker, then I feel like I'm floating per se, you know, mm. just galloping um, through, through defenses and stuff like mm. that. So when I feel light, I feel great. Mm. But trainers want you to feel heavy, mm. and when I feel heavy, I feel slow. Mm. And my my that's when you know my strongest attribute, mm. you know, becomes sh- um, shadowed at per se. So you didn't just move from sevens to fifteen. You actually started playing soccer and athletics, yeah. and then you went to rugby. That is one heck of a change. How did you transition to that? I played everything. I was very busy, eh? Like growing up, I, I was even in tennis. Can you believe it? I tennis, <laughs> Serena Williams, eh? <laughs> well, it's lit. I think the only thing that I didn't do at school is golf, but like and swimming? hockey, we didn't have swimming at our school. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> but the hockey, the cricket, I was a wicked keeper, so I was very busy. And actually, I used to get punished by when my, my parents punished me. They used to be like, "Dude, you can't play sport." Then my grades are high, bro. So I did everything growing up and yeah, I shifted from, you know, me loving soccer more than anything. Then there was the athletics that got the, the preference. Then later on in life, it was rugby. But in general, like I'm a very sporty person. I like being active and I love, you know, running outside. Your, when were you discovered for sevens rugby? That changed your life. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's a funny question. People don't believe me when I say this. Um, when I was 18. That's the first time I discovered sevens rugby. Wait, wait, when did you start playing rugby? When I was nine. Okay, and then for only 18 you discovered sevens? Only 18. Because I discovered it when I, so I finished school, whatever, played rugby, played provincials, whatever, but it was always social. So I didn't know how to study. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm 17 anyway. I went to school early, so I was 17 anyway. Let me go to this other academy, which is like a breeding ground for Griffins under 19. They've been wanting me to come the whole time. Since I was 16, I was like, nah, let me finish school first. So I went there, I was like, okay, gap year. And when I got to the environment... Hey, black families, there's no such thing as a gap year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Actually, I'm on my 15th gap year now, 15th gap year. <laughs> so my mom was like, I told you hey, you wouldn't come back. But I had, to, I had to actually, you know, put a technique to my, to my madness. I was like, okay, mom, um, I'm going to play rugby. And obviously they were like, okay, we're cool to like pay for your studies. Mm. But I never really studied. <laughs> yeah. So I played, I played rugby. And that is it. But my love for rugby and my passion for rugby actually started because it was just social till that point. And when I went to academy, like I lived, breathed, those colors made me eat, sleep, rugby, <laughs> everything was just about rugby. And that's where I got to, I got introduced to Sevens Rugby actually. Which is, which is a madness because I didn't know of anything like that. So you're, you spoke about your mother. Your mother was in education. Yeah. And your father was a police officer. Yeah. Straight and narrow, eh? Discipline. <laughs> now it all makes sense, Chomi. This is why me and you have so much fun, Chomi. <laughs> okay, you went, you were like, okay. Education and yeah. police. Like, is that where the discipline came from? Because I know you're a disciplined man. I know you Certainly. when you're on the field. I might see you dancing occasionally. Sometimes I, I see this guy da- breaking it down. When he sees him. But is that where the discipline came from? Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, as you said, growing, growing up, you know, having parents which... 
are in these faculties makes you a very straight person. Um, you walk on the straight and narrow and you try to like, you know, not go too far off the straight road. And that has helped me a lot because obviously having strict parents, you know, they kind of like disciplined you when you didn't do the right thing. And it helped me like have that self-discipline at a very young age. That has shaped me to be the man that I am today. Yeah, which is, which is quite cool. They've played a huge role in, in, in who and what I am today. Sinatla, I don't understand how you can be as fast as you are and still so modest. How are you still humble? If I was, I if I was living in America, if, then maybe. You see, see, if I was you at your speed, I would pass people going, Zach, Zach, you've been beaten me. How, I, how do you stay I was so humble. I was, I was tempted to do that when we played the other Sims tournament in Novaland. <laughs> you wanted to do this to me. <laughs> no, no. I think it ties in nicely with my, your previous question about growing up in a very, you know, straightforward type of, type of hustle because, you know, I grew up being humble and my parents are humble. So, like, that's all I know. I don't know anything else. I think I'll be out of character if I do anything different. So, for me, blame it on the parents. Bro. Agreed. When did you first realize and know that rugby could be your career? When I was at the academy, I was like, okay. Because people kept on telling me, like, if you just take this thing serious, I'd be like, oh, whatever. And then I was at the academy, people were like, dude, take this thing seriously. And then CUT gave me a scholarship when I was there. So the next year, I actually did my mom's will, amen. <laughs> um, so I was a good boy in my mom's butt. So they gave me a scholarship. I went to go study, and obviously I had to play this rugby thing. And when I was there, like... Going along by game by game, I gained confidence and I was like, I can really do this. And people were telling me, dude, you can really make this a profession. And it started like, you know, that seed started growing and I started watering it every single week, you know, gained confidence until I believed in myself. But I think the seed was planted at the academy and from there on, I believed I can really make it. And then the, your hardest time in the sport, what is your, 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 the biggest setbacks you've ever had in rugby? I've had a few, man. I've had a whole lot, a whole lot. Um, the first one that happened at the sevens when I got injured is like always when I'm injured. Um, that was 2015. I had a stress fracture. Um, it is very difficult. It was a very difficult time. Obviously, it's like leading up to 2016. Sorry, it's like leading up to 2016 Olympics and stuff like that. So the doubts kept on creeping, and it's like, am I gonna make it? Am I gonna be, you know, am I gonna be the same person, or whatever? And I think, you know, it's very wonderful that you go through stuff like that because obviously they, they push you forward. And I'd say, like, the biggest one for me was my whole 15th career, per se. The whole two or three years, it's actually three years, the years that I've been with Storm is, like, so difficult because I get, I come back from the sevens and I feel like I'm feeling good, I'm feeling great, and then I come to the 15s and then I get a small leg. It's like an ankle injury here, eight weeks. You have to chill, you have to rebuild again. Come back, two week play, two weeks injury here. I have to chill again. Like it's been going like that throughout the whole of my 15th career so far. So I felt, I feel like I've never really gotten a chance to like actually build on what I've, what I believe I can, I, I can actually produce. And for me, that's pretty, that's pretty. It, it's very difficult. It's not sad. It's very difficult because I can't, you know, I can't really move forward. I have to like keep on building back to my base and then get injured again. Like last year, I had a groin operation that kept me out of the game for like eight months and nine months. So like it's it's been a constant. This 15th journey has been like a constant, you know. Okay, get to the base, go mm -hmm. back, rebuild, get to the base, which is a bummer because I feel like I have so much potential. Mm -hmm. So I think for me that's the most difficult um, 
these three years have been the most difficult of my career so far. I, th- I think anyone who watches you play knows that you haven't reached your full potential in 15s. I'm glad you say that. And no, no, I, think, I know everyone that, anyone who knows rugby knows once, first of all, for me, I always say, uh, like I, I'm a big fan of Western Promise, big fan of, uh, of Stormers. I, I always would love to see you play in a team that could create space for you out wide. And you know what I mean? That yeah. can help create space for you and utilize your speed and the, the kind of attributes that you have. So everyone who I know who knows rugby knows that you are nowhere close to reaching your full potential in, in world rugby. And, there's, and ups and downs are part of life. Yeah, you know, that's it. That's it. That's yeah, why I said definitely. it's not a sad story. It's, yeah. it's more of it's more of a disappointing type of yeah, time in my, in my life because obviously I never get going. Mm. Um, but I also wouldn't blame it upon my teammates as well. No, no, I'm not, I'm not blaming. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It'll be quite interesting to see yeah. uh, different styles and, yeah. and different ways of playing because for me, when I watch you in sevens, I'm always like, this yeah, guy. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but I would, I would love to see. Uh, do you have any uh, attributes? Uh, would you like to travel overseas and play overseas at all? Uh, well, once I've reached my goal here, which is to wear the green and gold, um, yes. I think that's that's my main goal. Um, I did in the savings, I want to do it in the 15s as well. Like, that's always been, you know, one of my dreams. Um, I was a great once in savings, as people may want to call it. I don't want to call it that, I was just like, whatever. Um, but I want to see, I want to be seen also as a 15s great. And for me, it's not about savings or 15s. For me, it's all about like rugby is rugby. It's one thing, it's one game. And if I can reach the point where I can say I'm a rugby legend, bearing it sevens or fifteens, so people can see me in the same light. Because right now, people see me in one light in sevens, and people see me in a different light in fifteens. Mm. They they're not concurrent. Like it's not yeah. literally parallel. I want it to be parallel. It's mm. like okay, he's a great sevens player. He's a great fifteens player. Mm. And for me, that's what I want. I want I want to leave that type of legacy. For me, I, I think that's one of the most honest question, uh, honest answers I've heard in a long time. You want to be a legend, you want to be a great, and you yeah. don't just want to be a great in sevens, you want to yeah. be a great in 15 as well. And that's how I live, Brian. You want yeah, that's, that's I, what drives me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what drives me. Okay, when it comes to change in your life, how do you fight the drastic changes in life that happen? Well, I like to call it the three A's. Um, first, you acknowledge, like in situations, you acknowledge that you're in, or actually first you accept first, you accept the type of situation you're in. I wouldn't lie, I just thought, is, is, is accept an E or an A? No, but no, no. I, got, I, got, I will be honest, that was me, it wasn't you, dog. I didn't doubt you, dog. <laughs> you you, you kind of like accept the situation you're in, then you acknowledge, okay, dude, I'm actually in this, in, in this um, situation. And the third A is act. If you fail to do the first two, I think it's quite difficult to do the last one because sometimes you don't want to, you know, acknowledge and don't want to, um, accept that we're in a type of situation so you can't really change it unless you acknowledge and accept, okay, this is where I am um, and this is where I want to go to then only you can put the act in so I think it's by acknowledging the first two like, okay, sure, acknowledging and um, obviously like you know, accepting the position that you're in and that's how you're going to cause about change because you're going to see where you are and you're going to see where you want to go you're going to realize that it's two different things those two different points and by acting you'll get there, so I think that's how I uh, come about it. The the community of the Sevens community that you've created, the Blitz Poker, um, have to be some of the nicest people I've ever come across in the sport. Thank you, Bert. Thanks. Uh, the culture at Sevens is just 
It's, oh, it's, there was once when I was at the airport and we all bumped into you guys somewhere overseas and you guys all came and lined up to say hello to me. Coaches, the entire staff and the entire team came to shake my hand individually. Sure. Hey, Siv. Hey, Siv. Sure. Hey, Siv. And I was like, well, look at these guys. That's crazy. Is there quite a, is it a conscious decision to only pick good people in that team or do you, if you come in as a prick, they will, they will humble you until you are a good person. I think we had this chat with Mzama earlier. We're like, um, the system, the, the culture is amazing. And that's how we try to build it, you know, for someone coming in. We don't, Kushni Lolo says, Kushni Lolo says, like, it's, it's, a, it's a situation whereby he, if you had two talented players, oh. actually, the one is very talented, the other is not, he's okay, like, he's average, mm. but he's a good person. Mm. He will rather leave the very talented, arrogant mm-hmm. oak and choose the average oak, and which is a good person because he understands that with if you're a good person, we can build you into a good mm-hmm. rugby player. But if you a good rugby player, we can't build you into a good mm-hmm. person because that's who you are. So I think it's people first, and then afterwards the rugby comes after. Mm-hmm. So you, you've been under really high pressure situations in rugby and life in anything that you do, and you come out the other the other end smiling. What can you tell the young about how you've done that continuously? Sure, that's a difficult one. I think generally it's because of the person that I am. I'm a very positive, you know, enthusiastic type of person. Mm -hmm. And I like to see, like, the positive in everything that happens. I think one thing that drives me, like, keeps me like that is... Um, the fact that I have hope and I have faith, and that's part of my religion. You know, I'm, I live. I'm, I'm a very faithful person, and you I understand like what I go through. Like you're always gonna fall short. You know, you're always gonna. And that's what the Bible says. You're gonna fall short, but it's, it's that you see you in your wicked, in your weakest point. That's where God fills the void. Mm. And I think for me to know and like to hold on to something like that, always having faith that things are gonna turn out alright. I think that's what keeps me smiling because I understand that. I'm not always worthy, but with a higher power, um, I get help from that. So I think that's how I've made it through a lot of situations, you know, um, trusting and believing that God is going to pull through for me. And that's a... There's not many things I don't know about my rugby people, but I didn't know that you were a father. Yeah. How did you not know? How that? old? He's nine. He's a man now. Nine? You have to reason. You have to reason with the brother and I take to I've never... I yeah, it was, it's been one of my biggest driving forces. When I was 17, I had him, eh? So I was Seven. 17, I had a kid, my brother. So at the point, my dad was like, dude, you gotta be a what? man. <laughs> 17, dog? Right, right. Do you I know what choice was? Yeah, <laughs> we knew, but obviously, like, you know. And at the point, I had to grow up quick, man. It was hectic, it was hectic. Nine year old? Yeah, I thought. Actually, there's a point where I thought my life was over, but that's where my life actually began, to be very honest. Because now I had, I was not just living for myself. It's, dude, you have to live for someone else. You have to provide for this person. Um, you have to be responsible, and that's what my dad said. And, yeah, he also plays a huge part in, in my success, as I call it today. So, at 17, definitely one of the biggest changes in your life. Yeah. At 17, you get a child. You think everything's over. You really yeah. think like it's, but you still be able to become one of the best rugby players in the world. That was the flip, I think, for me. Like it is, you know, that's when I realized, okay, damn, it's serious now. 
<laughs> it was a That's joke. An understatement. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. It was like it's serious. Your life is real now. Mm. Yeah, like it's it was hectic at the time. Like really, I, I don't think I'd get this far. But you know, the grace of the Lord is is sufficient, and that's what I live upon. So, best advice your mother gave you in this whole situation when you were about to become a father. Best advice my mother gave me. She just said I must just be responsible for my actions. I think that 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 was the click. Both my parents just said that. That was the click for me. It was like, oh damn! Now I'm not just. That's what I said earlier. I'm not just living for myself. I'm living for, yeah. you know, for for my boy. And I think that's that's the whole thing that drives me. I must just be responsible for this person and make sure that I'm the best dad and be the best example, because my parents were the best examples to me. Um, and I think that that is it. When they said be responsible, I knew exactly what they meant because they were those type of people in my life. So from an early age, you needed to think about the future. Yeah, hundred percent. At seventeen. At seventeen, to be yeah, to be a man, you wanted to do adult stuff, right? Was he born at seventeen, or were you seventeen when? You found out I was, was no, I was sixteen. Oh, <laughs> you were no wonder you such a fast man because you are fast when you were small. You were fast. You're fast. Oh. You just you just kept that fastness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now it is hectic. It is very hectic. Man, it happened very quick. It is very very hectic. So if you could tell sixteen-year-old Sabelo anything about how your life will become. What would you tell him now, your 16-year-old self? He's just, he's just found out that he should have used the condom, but it's too late now. And you're about to become a father. What I would you have told him? If I knew what I knew now, just tell him to relax. Just relax, you know, things will work out. Mm. And like, I guess that's the only thing I can tell him because at that time you're stressed or whatever. And the last thing you want to hear is relax. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I still tell him, I still tell him, relax, things will work out. Things will work out. You'll figure it out. So, so in the greater scheme of things is, for me, is that every time you're on that field, you're not just running on that field for yourself. Yeah, 100%. You're running on this field for someone else. 100%. You know 100%. what I mean? And that's why, for me, the, there's everything that you said before about being a legend and being known as a greatness yeah. makes sense when I found out that you have a child yeah. and you have a son. Yeah. Because you can, you can have that conversation because it's not just you. Yeah. And I always see my friends, as soon as they have children, their hustle changes. It's different. If you, if you yeah. listen to this, you don't know what hustle means, Google it. <laughs> their drive changes. Yeah. If, the, the way they move changes. The, 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 the vision is just different and more precise. Yeah. Could you feel that happen or did you it happen later it. in your life? No, you feel it happened. Was, that's what I said. That's the the flip of the coin yeah. for me it happened instantly like suddenly i felt like you know <laughs> i felt like this i won't say extra pressure but i felt this this drive this drive was different like i mm. operated as i said i operated differently mm. i was more motivated than ever and i think it's that that um the fact that you have to you know you have to take care of another mm. person it, it literally drives you to to be the best version of you if i say it like that they always talk about the bounce of the rugby ball. And yeah. The bounce of the rugby ball, you just don't know which way it's going to go. You got one heck of a bounce <laughs> at 16. Like, they could have just bounced into your hands. Yeah. But they were like, ah, ah, we're going to bounce left. No, but you play the bounce, though. You play the bounce. You, Definitely. You play the bounce. You play, I couldn't tell the ball bounces. We all have a deck of cards. 
And, you know, my hand is different to your hand. His hand is different to, to his hand. Mm. And that's how life is, man. We don't have the same set of cards. And sadly, there's only one deck, actually. I said, we all have deck of cards. There's one deck, we all have cards. Play the cards that are in your hands. You are built to, to play those cards. Everything that's in your, your hand is actually empowered mm. by you and should only be in your hands. If it's in another person's hands, then it won't make sense. So play your cards. Play the cards that you have. You know, sometimes we look at other people's cards like uh, those are better cards, mm. but we can make our cards work because we're the only people that can actually handle those cards, which is good. They always say the grass is only greener on the other side. You know why? Because there's more cuck there. <laughs> <laughs> Never yeah, that's, so that's how you know. Yeah, is that how you know, sir? More, more fertilizer there. <laughs> is there's that how you there's know? more fertilizer. Yeah, you're like, when oh, it's greener. It needs more cuck. When you, when you have more cuck, you know, okay, nah. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean. <laughs> Okay. Another yeah, thing for me, yeah. as a rugby player, you're known for speed, um, <laughs> but no one really talks about the hard work you do and the breakdown, the tackling, the getting back up, the never, the giving up. What sets you aside from every other rugby player? What, exactly what's different that. about you? Exactly that. And Koshni once told me, like, people see you score trials all the time, but if, you, if you're really like a rugby lover and you watch rugby, if you like have rugby knowledge, you'll see all the stuff that I do on the field. It's not just about the tries. For me, like tries is a bonus. I always say I get more enjoyment from doing the other stuff mm. because that means I'm working hard. And I really, from other wingers, that's what sets me apart. I'm not just the try scoring machine. Mm. I bring another element to the game. I'm I'm there by the rocks. I make my tackles. You know, I do other stuff that other wingers are not willing to do. So for me, that's it. That's literally what you just said. Right? We were in Hong Kong together, and I was playing opposite wing to you. And you were teaching me how to be a wing and how to position as wing. <laughs> I remember you made jokes. You were like, you guys are chilling. <laughs> if you were listening to this and you've never played wing and you are a, you are a flanker like I am, I'm letting you know these guys work. Save ran the day. He was like... Ups and downs, <laughs> like, cross covering the kick. It was him and Raymond. I was like, guys, I don't want to ever play this position ever again. And I knew how they enjoyed it so much. <laughs> now nah, it's hectic. It's hectic if you actually work hard. I mean, like that's that's the stuff that you know that's not glamorous. Mm. You don't want to do that, mm. and that's the donkey work, as they call it. Mm. So I don't mind doing the donkey work. Mm. Uh, sadly, the donkey work is not seen. Mm. Someone like Peter Steffi too, he can go out the field and be like, "What did the guy do?" But we understand what yeah, that guy yeah, yeah. did. You know what I mean? He's a hardworking guy. Not glamour stuff. You want to see him like score tries or whatever. But he's doing the stuff that are necessary for the wing to score the try. They, for me, you remind me of when I watch you play because I love rugby. I, I would much rather watch rugby on television so I can see everything. And run. Yeah. But <laughs> what I love, for me, you remind me of a racehorse because racehorses just want to win. They want to win and they want to do what they have to do to win. Yeah. I know you hate losing. I hate losing. I, 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 there's not many so players who I know and I can see it in your face <laughs> after you've lost that I don't talk to you after you've yeah. lost. I don't say a word to you. And they yeah. say racehorses don't just run because someone's making them run. They run because they want to beat the person on the left and they beat the person on the right. Oh, I didn't know that. No, they want. They, they're known to bite other horses on the back. Race horses. If one's if one's bums right now, it will start biting it because it wants, it wants to, to beat. Win. It's one, it yeah. wants to win. Your competitiveness. How do you balance it? Because I know I'm poison. I, I'm my competitiveness is poison. Yes, I can be poisonous because uh, I want to win that much. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you balance it to make sure it's not poison? I I understand before anything, um, you human. Mm. So I think 
I think that that's the thing that actually sets it apart. The fact that I know that even though I'm competitive, mm. I understand that other person is human as well. Mm. And if you're human, you have empathy, you have sympathy, and you have feelings also. So the fact that I feel something for the other person when I'm winning, I think that sets it apart like this. You can be competitive, yes, but understand that I'm human or whatever. And if I'm beaten also, understand, mm. okay, it was better at the, yeah. at the day. Yeah. So, like, I understand that first before anything, that you're human and a human being should act as human first before mm. we can act as competitors, mm. as rugby players or whatever that is. And human traits such as empathy and kindness and, you know, caring for the other human being mm. are very important. Mm. So, World Cup... Japan this year, Kwaka has made it yeah. into the squad. Yes. And he is another workhorse who you've played with. Yeah. How do you feel seeing Kwaka being there? And has that made you even more ambitious to get that green and gold on and playing 15 for the Springboks? Yeah, 100%. Like, it's so good to see Kwaka in there. Like, he's one of those oaks I feel like has, has had it coming for a lot of mm. years. Um, he could have, he should have actually been inside that squad mm. for like two years prior to this. Mm. Um, and obviously, like, it was a huge, you know, argument about size and stuff like that. You know how SA rugby is, you know. But it's, it's, very, it's very satisfying to see that the smaller players are starting to come in um, because it gives us hope. You know, the people that are watching, people that are played with other guys, you know, okay. It, size doesn't really matter anymore because it is a huge thing. It is a huge thing in SA rugby. Like, you have to be a certain type of mold mm. to play here or whatever. So it's very encouraging for us to see this type of players. And it, I'm very happy because the players that are like someone like Cheslin, Oh, you know, like it's he's small, like mm. he's small, but what he produces on the field it's beast. is, yeah, he's like a little, a little dynamite, if mm. I call it that. So it's very nice to see people like that in the squad and see um, seeing the selectors and the mm. coaches, you know, selecting different types of people. And for the because, because skill is skill at the end of the day, like it's either you mm. can or you can't, mm. size doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very encouraged and I'm very excited to see those guys play in the World Cup. Mm. So this year you're not going to Japan, but next year you are. It's a payback. Hopefully, hopefully. You pay back next year. You'll be there next year. And how do you feel about this year and the chances of the, the Boca bringing home the trophy? Like we've seen how the Boca have played throughout the year, and I think it's been, mm. it's been pretty incredible. Like we are, all, we are all suddenly so hopeful because like in 2016 things were you know, going down and Rossi came and they started playing better. But the way they're playing right now, like they seem like they can actually win the World Cup. Like we watch it and we become so encouraged and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Suddenly we, we have like an attacking threat. It's not just about kicking like we're like trying to go to polls. Suddenly we're scoring tries and you win a World Cup. Like I understand World Cup is, is much more, you know, test level. It's like very technical or whatever. But the fact that we can score tries now, we have another, another like gun in our arsenal per se. So it's very, it's very nice to see that. And I certainly think they can, they can do it. We've seen how they've played, you know, they won their championship now um, against tough opposition. And the way, just the way they're playing right now, you can see they have a lot of confidence and they're enjoying uh, doing what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, very, very hopeful that they can take it fast. Final uh, question. So what does change mean to you? Change is everything because the world evolves. The world doesn't just you know, stay the same. It evolves and changes. And if you can adapt to that, you're going to be left behind. So you must be able to, you know, mold yourself according to what's happened, to the change that's happening in the world. And you must be able to adapt. 
Because if you don't adapt, you're going to die. As I call it, adapt or die. So change is very important, and you as a person must, I think, you must change according to situations and according to how things are going. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to stay in the same place. Same place is, is literally behind. Um, so that's, that's how I see change. I see it as a very important tool and a, a very and like a necessity to all of us because you can't stay the same. You have to evolve um, according to where and how things are going. So change is very important in life. And if you can't do that, then you can't adapt. And if you can't adapt, you're going to die. For me, I just want to say to 16-year-old Sabelo. What you going to say? I'm going to say to 16-year-old Sabelo, you've made a mistake. <laughs> but you will have the last laugh, young man. 100%, brother. 100%. And that was Halftime Chat with me, Sir Nyesi, in the change room made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. For more episodes, subscribe to In the Change Room on Iona FM, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. Mm-hmm.